Welcome to the Constructionist Podcast, hosted by Caleb. Just as we grow gardens and build buildings, God is building you through the renewing of your mind. The sufficiency of the scriptures is paramount in your journey, and every week, Caleb will challenge you to make them a central part of your life and worldview. Join us now as we explore the world through the ancient lens of God's Word. Hello friends and thank you for joining me on my walk this morning where we've been pondering and talking and contemplating and meditating on signs of the end times and some of the things that we know will be taking place before the Lord Jesus comes back. And the Lord Jesus will come back. The Bible has said so. God has promised it. He was here once. He went. He'll come back. And as he left, or as he was here the first time, sort of in obscurity, he never really left the land of Israel very much. I mean, he went across the sea and things like that to uh, meet some people who were demon-possessed. But otherwise, he never really went anywhere. It wasn't like he went to Damascus or he went to Egypt as a little kid and came back, but he didn't go to Rome, he didn't go to Athens, anything like that. He kind of just stayed in Israel. He was born in a in a barn, so to speak, uh, surrounded by animals in obscurity. And yet, when we read the Bible about his second coming, it says it will be like lightning that fills the sky from east to west. And so, it's one of those things that everybody will see. There'll be a flash. There'll be brightness. There will be a sound of a trumpet. It's going to be something that the whole world's going to be aware of. And the scripture says this over and over again, that God has in his plans and purposes for mankind, events that will shake the whole earth, that will affect the whole earth, that every human will have to contend with when the time comes. So we're pondering what is written in Matthew 24. So let's just read it again from the beginning. It says that as he sat on the Mount of Olives with the disciples, they came to him privately. Some of them came to him privately. I think four of them, it says in one of the other Gospels. And they said, hey, when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? So remember, Jesus had made the comment about the temple being destroyed. And they walked from the Temple Mount down through the Kidron Valley, back up the Mount of Olives, and they sat down at the Mount of Olives. And that's where they came and asked him this question. When will these things be? What will be the sign of your coming to the end of the age? So Jesus answers and says, see that no one leads you astray. So remember, we talked about this idea of deception. That's the first and number one thing that Jesus brings out is that we need to be aware of people trying to deceive, of the devil trying to deceive, and making other people off on the wrong track and then trying to drag a load of other people with them. They're out for their own purposes and their own agendas. See that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name saying, I am Christ, and they will lead many astray. I had a conversation with a guy a number of years ago on the job site, and we got to talking about, he he said there was no God. I asked him just flat out, I said, what do you think, is there a God or not? He said, oh no, absolutely not. We got in this conversation, and then he started telling me about the cosmic Christ. And I said, oh, the cosmic Christ. I said, have you ever read the New Testament? 
And I asked him what the word Christ meant and where it came from. He had no idea. He just stood there and went, oh, I don't really. And I, so I really, I challenged him to say, hey, you need to read the New Testament. If you're going to say that there's this cosmic Christ, then you need to know who that Christ is. And my, my, my idea behind it or my goal behind it was to get him reading the Gospels and to discover the truth and let God work on his heart through his word to reveal to him uh, the reality of the situation. But I didn't see that guy too much after that. It was, uh, so I never was able to sort of follow up with him on it. But he had this idea of a cosmic Christ, this, this sort of ethereal power that existed, a bit like Star Wars' force or something along those lines. And that is sort of what his belief was in. There it was nothing concrete about it. He couldn't even define what the word Christ meant. Uh, but he was led astray. He was deceived into thinking that this was a reality, that this was actually true. And it isn't. There is no such thing as this sort of um, all-benevolent cosmic Christ. There's a biblical Christ defined as the scriptures say, and he's a person, and he's a personality, and we will have to contend with him as a person. But there isn't this weird cosmic Christ thing. So Jesus says, uh, many will come in my name saying, I am Christ, and they will lead many astray. They'll deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, for this must take place, but the end is not yet. Or in the King James, I think it says, see that you are not troubled, for this stuff must take place. For nation, verse 7, will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are but the beginning of birth pangs. Or I think some translations, New King James and that says sorrows. But the word literally does mean birth pangs, birth pains, as in going through labor, as a woman goes through labor. So one of the things we have to be aware of when we're reading these verses is it sounds on the surface quite horrible. So right now there's a massive conflict taking place in the Ukraine. The people of the Ukraine are troubled. But Jesus says here, that we should not be troubled, that there will be wars and rumors of wars, but see that you are not troubled, for these things must take place. So what is it about this not being troubled? So right off the bat, after he says, don't be deceived, he says, now don't be troubled. So if we jump ahead now to this idea of birth pain, so if a lady is pregnant and she's expecting a baby, there are a few things that are absolutely sure that she will know. A, it'll take about nine months for that kid to come out, typically. I mean, there's premature babies and stuff, but you know, generally nine months. Secondly, there's going to be birth pains. Now, for the history of mankind, all women who have had babies have had to go through birth pains. But nowadays, with modern medicine, they can eliminate those birth pains. Now, I knew a lady uh, who has since gone to the Lord, but she had, I want to say seven kids, maybe eight, seven or eight kids. And on her last one, this was back in the 70s, early 70s, on her last one in the early 70s, they, the hospital said to her, hey, Norma, you've already had six or seven kids and you're on your eighth kid. Would you like to have an epidural? We would like to know what your thoughts are on this new painkiller that we're using for pregnant women so she said oh okay uh yeah i'll volunteer for that 
So they gave her an epidural, and she had the baby, and they asked her afterwards, what'd you think? And she said, I hated it. Hated the epidural. I didn't know what was going on. I couldn't feel anything. I couldn't tell what my body was doing. I didn't know when to push or not to push. So, so here's this lady who had already had six or seven kids and gone through this process of birth pangs multiple times. And then when she was given the opportunity to have the pain removed, said in the end she didn't like it. <laughs> she would rather have the birth pangs. And so I shouldn't really say pangs. I should say labor. So my wife, we've had four kids. And the last one, she said, was the best one of all as far as like the delivery process went. But very early on, before our first child was born, my wife was reading all these books about labor and about going through labor and about what to expect. And she kept saying, the more I know, the less fearful I get. The more I understand about what the body does, the less concerned I am about it. So my wife was adamant she was not going to have an epidural. She wasn't going to have any kind of painkillers or anything like that. Because she read a book by a guy who was uh, a baby doctor, and he had delivered thousands of babies. And he wrote this book and said labor pains are a perfectly natural way for the female body to deliver a baby. It's not a bad thing. It's not something you need painkillers for. This is a normal thing. It's the whole process is designed to get the baby out. And so if the more you know about it, the more you will understand how it all works. And it is labor. They call it labor pains or I'm in labor. They say, you know, women say, oh, I'm in labor. My labor started. And, he, and this doctor said, that's what it is. It's just a form of labor, like, you know, going to work for the day and you come home tired, but you know what to expect. And so I'm saying all this to say that when we read these passages about wars, about famine, about earthquake, about pestilence, the more we understand who God is and the more we understand what his plans and purposes are, the less troubled we will be by it. If we have little faith or no faith, then of course we're going to be <coughs> concerned. Remember the disciples in the boat? There the boat is rocking around and shaking and they're in the storm and they're terrified. And where do they see Jesus? He's out there walking on the water, minding his own business. It even says in Mark's gospel, he intended to pass them by. He was out for a stroll. But in the process of that, Peter saw it. He saw the Lord and he says, hey, let me come out there with you. So Peter gets out of the boat and he starts walking toward Jesus. But then it says he took his eyes off Jesus and he's put his eyes on the waves and on the wind and he started to sink. So this is what we need to be aware of when we're reading these passages. The more the woman knows about giving birth, the less troubled she should be about it, just like my wife was. She was the least troubled with the fourth one because she had already been through it and she had done the process and we left her alone she had her nice music playing she hopped in the bathtub she had her home birth no problems everything was fine we got healthy kids so the same with peter he was fine he was walking on the water he was heading to jesus it didn't matter how big the waves were it didn't matter how rough the wind was blowing on him as long as he kept his eyes on jesus everything was fine but as soon as he took his eyes off jesus and started to concentrate on all the circumstances around him then he started to sink. Now, the same is going to be true in the end. If we put our eyes only on conflict in the Ukraine, famine in Africa, 
vaccines and pestilence and COVID diseases and all this kind of stuff. If that's all we're looking at, then we're going to, of course, get troubled. We're going to get worried. We're going to get scared. We're going to lock ourselves away. We're going to hide. We're going to try to do something to protect ourselves, like take all of our money out of the bank or buy, you know, stockpiles for the food or something like that. So I'm saying all this to say that you cannot, if you are following the Lord Jesus Christ, you have to take his word and say, okay, Lord, is your word true or is it not true? You say, don't be troubled. How then should I not be troubled? Well, the way to not be troubled is the way Peter walked on water. It's to get out of that boat and keep your eyes fixed very, very, very sharply and emphatically on the Lord Jesus. So like I said, the more you know about God and about his plans and purposes, the less troubled you will be. I remember when the price of gas going up and nickel would trouble me. But now I'm like, well, all right, whatever. I mean, the gap, passive gap, the, 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 the passive gra- grass, <laughs> the price of gas is going up and the world is in a tizzy, but we shouldn't let it get to us. And I have to suppress these sort of worrisome thoughts that come into my mind sometimes. And I have to stop and say to myself, no, wait, who's got a plan? Who has purposes? Who is the Lord? Who is the one that I should be keeping my eyes on? And that's the scriptures and how it explains to us the end times. So nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. Nation against nation and kingdom of kingdom. This is like um, nation against nation is ethnos against ethnos. It's actually ethnic groups against ethnic groups. Uh, All the race riots that were taking place a couple years ago here in America after the George Floyd incident happened and all these black people were mad at white people and blah, 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 Black Lives Matter and all this. That's ethno against ethnos, black and white. It's ethnic group against ethnic group. The same thing in Africa, Zulus and Losa and, you know, whatever issue. Oh, in Europe, there's been, for years, there's been conflict between the immigration population, primarily Muslim, from North Africa and the Middle East, and they come and they settle in Germany and they settle in Paris, and they've had riots over there because these people are, you know, there's all this conflict taking place. So ethnic against ethnic is something that will grow. And in the world we live in today, people are polarizing into their various factions and groups, and they want to have representation and they want to have a voice and they want to be recognized. And so there's this conflict that takes place between what the groups that feel like they are unrecognized against the toward the group that claim that they think has all the power and so as soon as you see you know the the white male walking down the road well he's a white male so he automatically is in the category of the oppressor now this this is illogical absolutely you know, my son was born in South Africa, and I like to tell people that he's African-American <laughs> because he was born in South Africa. He's got the birth certificate to prove it. You know, it's irrelevant, the skin color. There's thousands upon, there's millions of white people living in Africa that were born and raised there. Are they less African than, you know, some black person or whatever? It's, it's a matter of perception. There are, there are beautiful christian believing black people that have a closer walk with the lord than the white guy sitting in a church somewhere in missouri or or florida or 
Germany or something like that. So it's not a matter of color of skin. It's a matter of identity and relationship with the Lord. How do you identify with the Lord? That's what it comes down to. This is my little rant on, on ethnic differences and things like that. But these things will happen in the world of human re reasoning and the flesh. Ethnic group will fight against ethnic group. And kingdom will fight against kingdom. Oh, the whole... Uh, Ukraine conflict. What does Putin claim was his reason to stop Nazism, neo-Nazism, which is a kind of ethnic philosophy. And so his goal, he claimed his goal was to go down there and eradicate certain ethnic ideologies. Because you know, Nazism, one of the core factors of Nazism was German supremacy and white supremacy and, and um, that kind of uh, master race type stuff which there is no master race. We're all of one race. We're of the human race. <laughs> so there's no master over anybody as far as master race goes. It's an oxymoron, the term. There's one human race. You can't have a master race if there's only one human race. But anyway, um, again, it's, you could place that category, you could place that conflict in the category of ethnic against ethnic because he's going down there to try to deal with some sort of ethnic issue that he perceives, whether it's true or not. So then you've got kingdom against kingdom, and this is sort of the political entities against the political entities, which is usually how we think about military conflicts, is a political entity against a political entity. And that, to a certain degree, is true. You look at World War II, Hitler had his ethnic reasons for doing things, but it bled over into a political versus political with... Chamberlain going over there and talking to Hitler and declaring peace in our time and then, you know, um, parliaments and senates have to get together to declare war and things like that. So that's certainly a reality at the same time. But Jesus says here, nation against nation and kingdom against kingdom. He puts the ethnic thing sort of first if you want to look at it like that. And then also there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. And so these natural disasters, um, you know, whether they're manufactured famines or not, uh, earthquakes are happening on a regular basis. It says here all of these are the beginning of sorrows. So we talked about this last time. The end is coming. There is a baby to be born. The woman is in labor pains and a baby is on its way. So we look at these verses and we relate them to the idea of a woman in labor. Jesus is coming. There's going to be birth pangs along the way. And these birth pangs are natural and normal. I hate to say that, but it's true. This is what is being taught to us by the scriptures and by Jesus himself. It has to happen this way. If you reflect back to Romans chapter 1, humans in the distant past with Adam and Eve, they gave over their God-given dominion to the devil. And that put the human race on an entirely different course than what God had initially intended. And so the Romans chapter 1 uses the term, gave them over, gave them over, gave them over. He lets humans have what they want to, in effect. At Eve, 
who represents not just women, as in women should take the brunt for, you know, the sin. Eve represents humanity. Women give birth to new humans. So they are the multipliers of humanity, so to speak. They carry humanity with them. They, uh, the Bible uses women consistently as pictures and types of a nation or of um, Israel as a whole or of the church. So these women or, you know, Babylon, mystery, the great Babylon, the mother of harlots, this woman is representative of this ideology called Babylon that the Bible uh, explains. And it is a wicked, wicked thing. Now, the women also represent good things as well. You know, uh, Rachel in the Old Testament, Ruth, um, Mary and Martha, they all, they have good representations at the same time. But Eve, who is the mother of all living, she represents the whole of humanity. And she reached out against the the counsel and the wisdom of God, she reached out and grabbed that apple and she chose to get her knowledge from a different source than God himself. Every day or whatever, it says that the Lord would walk through the garden in the cool of the day. She had opportunity to get her knowledge and her understanding and ultimately her wisdom from the Lord himself, the creator who loved her and, and set all things good before her. But she chose to take the knowledge from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and that then set her down a completely different course and the whole human race because she's representative she's a type or a picture um and a literal embodiment of the whole of the human race and so here we are today so doing a, a typological study of women in the bible will reveal this kind of understanding and so here we have labor pains so when you get to romans chapter one it says God gave them over, God gave them over. So God gave Eve and Adam over to this sin, the identity identifying with sin. So it happens and it degrades in Romans chapter one from step by step by step as they walk away from God, it degrades. And so that's why I say that these things must happen. God has to let evil run its course to maturity. So in the Bible, there are times where eschatological things, end times things, are related to crops growing. So seeds grow up to maturity and you harvest, you pick the fruit, you cut the crop when it's ready. A farmer's not going to cut his crop early because then it's useless. He can't do that. He's just wasted all of his time and energy and money and labor in cutting down a crop that you can't turn into bread or corn chips or whatever it is he's growing. You can't ship those apples. They're hard as rocks and half the size. You have to wait until they're mature. So the Bible uses this, this um, agricultural, horticultural picture to tell us about the end times. And one of the things that it, point, it is pointing to is this idea of things coming to maturity. So the wheat and the tares are mixed together in the same field in Matthew 13. They have to grow to maturity. When they get mature, then they it is apparent which ones are tares, which ones are wheat. Then they can be separated. So here we have labor pains. These things have to take place. There is no way of getting around it. God is monitoring everything and the labor pains are gonna become more intense and more intense and more intense, but the goal is the baby. <laughs> the goal is the Lord Jesus. 
And so the more we understand and know about the scriptures, the more we understand and know about who God is, the less troubled we will be. You follow me? So your goal now is to learn the scriptures. <laughs> I'm kind of a broken record on this, aren't I? Read the Bible fully. Read it slowly. Think about what it's saying. First the natural, then the spiritual. Look at the world around you. Look at what the Bible says. Is it telling us that we can learn things from the trees, from the growth around us, from the sky, from the stars, from whatever? Where are we learning things so that we can put it into practice, so that we can see God's hand at work, so that we can not be troubled, so we can trust in his promises? So keep your eyes open for what's going on in the world around you. Pray. Seek the Lord, let him be your strength and your sufficiency, just as Peter found in that short bit of time that he walked on the water. So God bless you. If you have been blessed and encouraged by these podcasts, please share them with whoever you would like to share them with. Also, uh, you'll find on the page online for this podcast, you'll find links to our online course on how to interpret the Bible. And you'll also find a link to our news letter mailing list we would love to have you on our mailing list so god bless you and have a great day thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast if you were challenged and encouraged by what you heard today please feel free to share it with any friends or family you like you're welcome to email us at calebtheelectrician at gmail.com that's calebtheelectrician at gmail.com and remember to leave a comment at iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere that you listen to podcasts.